0: Hi and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonholm and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, we should get into the Word um, tonight. If you're taking notes, um, which I recommend you do, um, the title of this message would be Going... The distance. Going the distance. Now we're going to look at um, the book of Esther tonight. And if you're not familiar with the scripture, that's okay, because I'll give you the context, the background, the episode recap. Um, So basically, the book of Esther is, we find this Jewish community living among uh, um, a... I guess, uh, not a godly nation. They're in a place called Susa, which was in the Persian Empire. And so this kingdom was one of self-promotion, was one of self-gratification, and it was one of self-glorification. And so the king, he loved his wealth. He loved showing people how good he was. This was a successful kingdom. They had absorbed many of the nations around them. And so he loved to throw these big parties and and this was not a godly kingdom and and he's with a bunch of mates and they're drunk and and he asked his queen at the time, Queen Vashti, to appear before them so he could show them her beauty and you can take that to mean whatever. But she was like, no way. And the guys in the circle are like, whoa, you can't let her disobey you like that. And so he gets rid of this queen and he's on he's on the a hunt for a new queen and this is where we meet Esther because Esther was a orphan she was raised by one of the palace guards um, his name was Mordecai and she hides her identity and she enters this beauty pageant and she goes through a time of preparation she finds favor in the eyes of the staff and she finds favor. In the eyes of the king, and she becomes queen. Now, I, I did say that this was a, a kingdom that loved to display its wealth. It was kind of a selfish-minded kingdom and reckless too. Uh, and so, the second in charge, his name is Haman. He, um, when he's walking down the streets, people are expected to bow to him. But the palace guard, a faithful follower of God, the one who raised Esther, didn't bow to him. And so he hated this man and he hated all the Jews because of it. And he puts this decree that on this certain day, they would all die. And so Mordecai, he's in touch with the palace, but he's also in touch with the the people. He gets this message to Esther. And this is where we'll pick up the story It's in Esther 4, verses 14, he says to the, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. But he says this, and who knows, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position, For such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai Go, gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all these instructions. This was um, a heavy moment in her life. She was going to decide, is this worth living for? Is this worth dying for? Because if he didn't accept her, her entry into his courtroom, she would die. So she's got a big decision on her hand. Can we thank God for his word before we go any further? Father God, we just thank you for your word, that it is alive and active and we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us who we are, that you would reveal to us who you are, and we would leave this place changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, growing up, um, we love sport. Alyssa says she, she hates sport. She's not good at it. I love sport. And we used to kick the footy in the front, um, at the front of a yard, I guess. And we had this paved road and then this grass that led down to a pond. Now there was a certain time in our life, this pond got infested, like it, it started to grow algae, it smelt bad, it, it was like um, the water was low, so it was like real muddy, real sludgy, it, it was just gross. And so we hated it when we would lose the boar and get it in the water. I remember one afternoon... Um, I was playing, I was kicking the footy and of course my brother didn't catch it because I always catch it and, and, and it, went into, um, it went into the water and so we had our techniques of how we would get a ball out, like we would run to get the pool stick and then hopefully by the time we made it back, it was still um, close enough that we could reach but we don't want to get dirty. The other way is we would gather some rocks and we would begin to throw them behind the ball or in front of the ball, and hopefully we would shift it and manoeuvre it where we would want it to go. And the third way is we would get up, we would go inside, and we would give up. Because we don't have time for this. But I remember one afternoon after school, we're kicking the footy, and, and it goes in the water, and so I run down to get some pebbles or some rocks to get it. And this school kid's walking by, and he notices what's happened. And he says, you got the ball in the water, and I don't have time for this guy. He, he's not going to help me. I, didn't, I think, what can you do that I cannot do? He says, you got the ball in the water? I said, yeah. I'm like, big deal. He says, I'll get it. Now I'm like... I'm fed up with this guy now. But when I turn around, no word of a lie, he's begun to take his shoes off, to take his socks off. And he says, I'll get it for you. Eh, and nothing's got dramatic. I was like, no, you don't, you don't have to do this. Like, really, you don't have to do this. He's like, no, but I want to. I said, no, but we've only just met. And he said, but I love you. Eh, okay, okay, he didn't say that. But, but he goes, he goes in the water and he goes to get the lost boy and he's got mud all up his legs and it probably, probably smells a bit. But he gets out boy and he comes out and let me tell you, when I saw him after that, he was no longer the annoying school kid. I said, what a man. <laughs> and so we wash him off and we exchange numbers and... and, and... <laughs> We didn't do that either. But I wonder sometimes, because a lot of us are sitting here today, right? And the reason we worship with such passion is because we serve a God who wasn't afraid of the mud, who wasn't afraid of the mess, who wasn't afraid of the brokenness in our lives, but decided he would go in, he would get us, he would rescue us, he would rescue that which was broken. He wasn't afraid of going the distance. He wasn't afraid to to suffer rejection. Why? Because he thought, and he still thinks today, that you are worth it. And so I wonder... The question for Esther was, hey, how far are you going to take this, Esther? Is this worth living for? Is this worth dying for? And I wonder as a church, are we going to be the kind of church that just stand at a distance because we don't want to get too messy? We don't want to get too dirty? Are we going to be the kind of church that just throw rocks and we're just critical? Are we going to be the church because of the disappointment and because of the discouragement along the way we get up and we give up? think we need to remind ourselves that the God went the distance for us and he's calling his church to do the same. He's calling his church to do the same. Sometimes we, we just, we just stay at a distance. You know, some things we just underestimate in our lives that, that keep us from going the distance. One thing we underestimate in our life is our position. Our position. It said, it said, Who knows that you have come to your royal position? We, we quote this as who knows you're born for such a time as this. See, we're missing the position. No, no, he's positioned us. But but what is our position? Romans 8 tells us, it says this. Romans 8, verse 14. Ready for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, you've got a position of sonship. It's not one you earn, it's not one you deserve, it's one given to you through Jesus. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You've got a royal position in Christ. You've got a royal position in Christ, and it comes with a new inheritance. The, The old things are gone, it comes with a new inheritance. And it doesn't just change the way you spend eternity. It changes the way you live your life here. Why? Because your position is one where you are led by the Spirit. Your position sets you apart. Your position makes you different because if you are led by the Spirit, then there's different fruit in your life. You begin to be marked by things like love and joy and peace and patience because of your new position, because of the leading, because of the prompting, because of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we just get too comfortable in foreign places. Esther could have been comfortable where she was because she was accepted. She was queen. But it wasn't her concealed identity that was an invitation to change. It was her revealed identity that was an invitation to change. Sometimes we trade the promptings of the Holy Spirit for the comfort of fitting in. But God wants you to be uh, um, different. So people, your, your point of difference is a point of curiosity for people. They begin to wonder why you have the fruit of the Spirit. Don't conceal your identity. Don't forget your position in Christ. The second thing that we can sometimes overlook or I underestimate, is the process. The process. Things didn't change in a day for Esther. There was a process. Who knows she was prepared for it. She had to go through some things. There was a process. Number two is you have a process. This is the one we want to get tattooed to our ankles because we're like, oh, we were born for this time. Yeah, yeah, Instagram bio, like, we are born for this time. But the reality is we, we wrestle with the timing of God all the time. We're constantly like, God, you, you're not on schedule here. You're running a little late here. No, no, but he's, he's got a process. And if we don't embrace the process, we might miss the opportunities. He's got a process. I remember when I was... Um, I don't know why all my stories are when I was really young. But I, I was like uh, five or something. And my sister, she lost her tooth. And I was like, whoa, this is the coolest thing ever. She lost her tooth. And I was like, man, I want to lose my tooth. And so, you know, like really wise at five years old, I remember sitting in the lounge room by myself. And we had this old big box TV, the really hard screen. And I thought to myself, if I just run hard enough, if my teeth hit the screen, then then I'll be like my sister. So I'm sitting in the lounge room by myself, and I get up off that couch. And I remember holding out my teeth while I'm running, like, so I would hit it. And, And so I run, and I sprint, and smack, I hit the TV. And I remember checking my teeth, like, are they still there? And they were all still there. But you know what happened? I was really hurt and I was really, really confused. Do you know, though, God's got to process. And you know, it's normal, right? Like, I was going to lose my tooth at the right time. But trying to force it made me hurt and confused. We, we wrestle with the timing of God and we're trying to make things. Be like, God, you know what? Let me help you out. Creator of earth, heavens, you're like, let me help you out. And so we're like, here, let me handle this one. I got this. And, and we get hurt and, and we get confused. And because we're looking at people's opportunities and, and we're overlooking God in the process. You know, God isn't even explicitly mentioned in the book of Esther. But you better believe he was in the process. He was working behind the scenes. He was making things happen. He was in the process. I wonder what it would look like if we had a church that embraced the process, that walked into their workplaces believing there was purpose in this, that in seasons of frustration, they believed there was purpose in this. Third thing we we overlook is our story. You share in the story. You see, Esther, she she had to have this realization that this is bigger than me. This This is bigger than me. And one thing Mordecai had to tell her is, hang on, these are your people. And so I wonder did Esther start to think of the people she grew up with? Did she start to put um, names to this? This wasn't a far-fetched problem. These were people that she knew. This was close to home. I wonder if she began to think of the people in her life, think of the needs in her life. Because she realised, actually, this is worth it. Because What God thinks is worth it, we should think is worth it. And so she does, she goes in front of the king and she risks her life because she believed that this was bigger than her. But here's the thing, sometimes we miss it because we live in a self-absorbed society and it's easy to get stuck in our world, stuck in our problems, stuck in our stuff, that we overlook the pain around us, that we overlook, that there are people searching, that there are people wanting, that there are people who have lost hope. But we overlook it because we're in our own world. Mordecai had to to, to get her a vision. Because so when we lack vision of the people around us, we we'll ultimately lack action. Some of you need a renewed vision of the people around you because you've given up on them because you can't see the you can't see the hope for them anymore. When she gets vision of. Her world around her, she feels the call to action. And then people were fasting, and people were praying, and she would have her moment, and she would have her time, and it came with the process. But she had to realize that this was bigger than her. You see, this story has been going for generations. Do you know the story isn't even about Esther? It's not even about Mordecai. The story is about the faithfulness of God to weave things together, to to work things out. It's about the faithfulness of God. And I don't know about you, but my testimony didn't end the day of my salvation. It began then. And every day walking with God, Every piece of the puzzle, just moment after moment, situation after situation, I give it to God and I watch Him weave it all together. And if there was one verse that would explain the book of Esther, it would be Romans eight twenty eight: For He works together all things. For He works together all things for those who love Him, who have been called according to His Purpose. That's the story of Esther. It's the faithfulness of God. That's your story. That's my story. That's why we worship with such passion because of the faithfulness of God and we've got stories to tell. You see, Esther, she had to lay aside some things. She had to lay aside her reputation, she had to lay aside her comfort. She had to lay aside maybe some disappointment, maybe an old slavery mindset, so she could step forward into the things of God. I've heard it said that like Jesus is the missing piece to the puzzle. It's okay. It just it just seems too weak of an analogy that he would just be a piece. And if our lives were a puzzle. We come to him with all our brokenness, not knowing how things would fit together, not knowing how to make sense of our lives, not knowing how to make sense of what has happened. But we come to him, peace after peace, and begins to put our story together. And we begin to see a bigger image, and we go, Whoa, he's faithful. That's the story. I have. That's my testimony that when I look back at every moment with God, I know he weaved it all together. And it's bigger than me. And it's bigger than you. Maybe you came here tonight and you didn't know that there was a God who believed you were worth it who placed great value on your life, who's willing to, to make sense of things, to, to give you purpose, to give you a new love, to give you a new joy. I came to tell you tonight that he went the distance for you. Romans 10.9 says, if you believe and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. He went the distance, so all you would have to do is respond you would just do the little thing. You would just do the little thing. So can we, can, we, can we close our eyes in this moment and bow our heads just for a moment of privacy? Maybe in this place tonight you've heard the words and you're thinking, really, is this for me? Did God really go the distance for me? And the answer is yes, because He loves you and He placed great value on your life and He believes you and He's got plans and purposes for you. And maybe tonight you're like, I want to join this story. I want to share in this story. I want to be a part of this. I want to see, I want him to make sense of my life. I want to give him the pieces. I just want to give you the opportunity tonight to respond. And and while all heads bowed and the eyes are closed, it's just, I'm just going to look. I'm not going to make you come out the front. The reason I ask you to raise your hand is so I know who I'm praying with. And I just want to lead you through this, but but I want to give you the opportunity to respond and invite God into your story. Invite God into, into your story. So I'm just going to count to three. And on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to know God. I want to know, I want to have relationship with Him. I want to put the pieces in His hands. So one, He loves you. Two, He placed great value on your life. Three, He's got plans and purposes for you. If that's you in this place and you're saying, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just lift your hand Why every head is bowed? Awesome, I saw that hand. This is just your moment. You're saying, yes, I want to know God. I want to know God. It's time I put my life into his hands. It's time I gave him a go. If that's you the, tonight, would you just lift your hand? Awesome, so good. We're going to pray a prayer together. You can, you can lift your heads. We're going to pray a prayer together. And it's just to help that person that gave their life. It's the best decision they'll ever make. You know, I haven't looked back. I haven't looked back because he's faithful. So would you just repeat after me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you went the distance. Thank you that you love me. Today, I welcome you into my life. Come and change me. Make me new. Show me a new way to live. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. That is the best decision you'll ever make. So stoked. Second thing, I I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to. We're going to go back into a time of worship. But as we do, maybe tonight you've heard this and you're going, I've been living at a distance. I don't know, maybe along the way you got discouraged, you got hurt, you got disappointed. Maybe you got too comfortable and you're saying, I want to lay this aside. God, I'm all in. But you need a renewed vision for those around you. You need a renewed hope. You want to believe again tonight. And so as as the worship team sing, I just want you to take a step of faith and come down the front. And this is just your opportunity to say, I'm laying aside the things that are keeping me at a distance. Because I'm all in. God, give me a renewed hope. Give me a renewed vision. I want to see people the way you see people. I want to go the distance. So why don't the band lead us tonight? And if that's you, just as they start to sing, you can just come down. This is your moment. This is your step of faith. This is your time with God to say, I'm laying things aside and I'm all in God. I'm all in God. Someone here that, that you've given up on their family. You've given up on your family. You, you've settled it in your mind that you're the only one that's gonna be a Christian, that you're just the only one that's gonna believe. No. Have a new vision for them tonight. Have a new renewed hope for them tonight. No one's too far gone. No one's too far gone. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.